This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgareth. Hello, my friend Karen. Hi, Chris. I did uh, what everyone should do to get in a good mood to get ready to podcast. I uh, I watched the news and it just put a <laughs> spring in my step. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just so glad. I'm so glad I don't have a job where I like you have to stay Watch abreast of current events and then write jokes for Jimmy Fallon or something. What do we do for the the Putin dunking booth? We have to have jokes. Like, I don't... (laughs) I'm so glad I don't have... Because it really bummed me out. And then... uh, So then I watch stand-up. There's two specials that are amazing right now. One of them is really convenient because it's by our guest today. (laughs) The first one, though, Shang Wang has a great Uh, special that I've, I've, I've watched it twice now just because it is light and like well-written observe it like observatory jokes you know he wrote it up in Griffith Park it's light and easy is it like a croissant of comedy like it's real airy and buttery it I yeah it flakes it flakes when you pull on it (laughs) I yeah I it takes jam well yes yes it's absorbent (laughs) I when I watched it I was like well that it's He's it's what I was doing because of everything I wrote over the pandemic was like COVID related or shutdown related. And I was like, well, no one wants to hear about that anymore. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta do what Shang's doing. Then I watched Patton's special and I then I just realized, uh, no, you can you can do those jokes. They just have to be really good. Here's the thing that here's the mistake I made coming up in San Francisco. I would see Patton a lot because we moved there, I think, within months of each other. Yeah. 
And what I would do is watch Patton on stage and go, I have to do what he's doing. Yeah. And that's impossible to do. And I would sit down in cafes and sit and then write a topic, croissants. And then I would expect <laughs> yeah. a chunk to fall out of my brain and onto the page. Uh, it was so ridiculous. And I've I've done it for so long watching him. Yeah. And it is such a setup because no one's brain works like that. And also he works on it really hard. Yeah. So you're not going to get the chunk when you're sitting in the toy boat going like, I'm as good as those guys are. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get it all at once. It doesn't, it actually takes years to do it this way. Yeah. And I'm not going to try and do it his way, but I, it, uh, Patton's special made me want to just work harder uh, at at writing and uh, anyway, oh, it should make you want to work smarter. So that's actually we should go over. Oh, the like more efficiently. <laughs> I should oh. multitask while making my writing my jokes. Just if you can lean, you can clean. Was supposed to be the message you got out of Patton's <laughs> that is special. But... So I don't know. We'll talk to him. We'll talk to him about it. He's our. Uh, guest we can today. do it right now. Yeah, our guest today, Karen, has played clubs and colleges so many all colleges. over this great country. And he is here with us now, and we're honored, and we're thrilled, because we don't get to see him that often. It's Patton Oswald, everybody. Yay! Oh, Chris, Woo! Karen, thank you so much for letting me be on the podcast. Yay! <laughs> of course. Of course. We are allowing you. Yes. We're allowing it. <laughs> Finally. My, my, uh -huh. I sent my letters. I was persistent, and you it were. paid off, dang it. Persistent and polite. Persistent That's and the polite. two P's Those of stand-up comedy. And here comes the third P, Patton. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it I'm, is. I'm sorry we did that thing where there's that couple minutes where Karen and I riff. It's in parentheses. We're required to do it. And Patton's just sitting, <laughs> listening to us talk to him, and he's unable to chime in because we yeah. haven't introduced him yet. And it's yeah. got to be painful. I'm sorry we mm -hmm. did that. Yeah, you haven't uh, haven't passed me the conch, as it were. Um, yeah, God, that was that was that was such a uh, nostalgic. When you said the toy boat cafe <laughs> on Clement, I remember <laughs> us sitting in either the toy boat, the Blue Danube, or the Java Source, all on Clement, and we'd be there mm -hmm. all day with our notebooks, bitching about showbiz. Why aren't we on TV? Why aren't why are our careers <laughs> going nowhere? I would give anything to have a free afternoon to sit oh. in a coffee shop and don't have to be anywhere and just like literally five hours to just sit and think about stuff. I would give anything to have that. I mean, I speak from current experience. It, it is pretty great. Oh. <laughs> well, well, what I loved at the time, which is really funny, is literally most, most of us had been doing stand-up comedy under five years. Right. And yet it was like, this is fucked, why aren't we famous? <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, hey, how about you write more than five minutes of material? Exactly. Hey, yeah. Yeah. How, about, how about it's not all crowd work and talking to your friends yes. as in the in the weird little balcony? Yeah, at, or, or um, talking about a shitty gig you just did in Lodi, but you're only doing a bit for other comedians who all agree how bad the cast and cleaver is in Lodi. How come this isn't getting me on Letterman? Because you're, you don't have eight million friends watching Letterman that all know your shit, so why don't you write a joke? Local jokes get local work. Local we, jokes it took get us so local work. Long, oh. So long to learn it. Wow. I remember, look, listen, if, if I can extend the Mutual Appreciation Society for just a little bit, the, um, Please. I, I remember why we do it. marveling at you wa watching your bits because 
Whereas I was always about, I've got, you've got to engage the audience by exploring every possible facet of this. And you got the biggest laughs out of, you would begin a story, but then the comedy would come from you openly disengaging with what was going on in that story going. And then I just fuck, fuck that. I don't want to be involved in it. Like you told a story about a woman <laughs> telling you where you couldn't, couldn't, couldn't park. And it sounded like it was starting off on a, this great, really funny character study of this woman. And then you just <laughs> ended it with going, and then she's like, you can't park here because this time, and then just quack. You just went quack. Like, the, <laughs> like in your mind, that's how you just shut down the reality of the moment. And it was so real. And I was like, how the fuck did she just do it? She made the comedy about, I know that I should tell you the story, but in the story, I disengaged and shut it down. And that's what's funny. And it was fucking hilarious. I just remember you just going quack. Like you, you boiled down this woman's rant at you to the word quack, which means, and then Karen switched, the, switched it off and the woman wasn't there anymore. I had to walk away. I was getting one more ticket that my dad oh, was going to scream at, yes, scream exactly. at me for. God, it was so funny. <laughs> also, those were the times where um, most of my comedy came from just ripping off things my friends would say that I thought was funny. So it was like Dave Mesmer, Don Frazier, all those people that I hung out with and worked at mm -hmm. The Gap with. <laughs> and I, it was like, I would just get on stage and talk like I was talking to my friends just going like, of course, this is hilarious. Where yes. everybody else is like, oh no, we have, there's a whole system <laughs> of how you're supposed to be doing this. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole math to it. Oh God, but it just, it blew me away how you could engage people that way. Because then you would see people go, fuck, I, I do that. Like I actually, it's actually more real that you shut down and walk away from a situation than if you stay there and say a bunch of smarmy things to the person, because in real life, that doesn't happen. In real life, you're like, yeah. get this person the fuck away from me. I'm, I'm just, I'm not here anymore. Goodbye. Oh God, yes. that was so great. So real. I literally have no memory of that bit. Oh my God. No that's funny. I knew you wouldn't. Just when you said the word quack, it was like, oh, <laughs> that's what that woman became to her. Just uh, it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. I'm yeah. trying my hardest to get Karen to start doing stand up again, Patton. I'm going to well, do it. She, like, like she doesn't have enough else going on in her life. She's like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just got to <laughs> add to the plate and exhaust yourself. Yeah, exactly. I would love to do it if I had some sort of like a spine of an act that I could like go back to or whatever. But truly, I just don't. I, it feels like that kind of thing of like, what would I want to say? that I haven't said on my fucking 19 podcasts right, right. that I do exactly. all week yeah, long. Yeah. That, that people literally, when, when I say, I had to, it, it, I will say in my new special, there's a bit about me, about my elliptical talking about how I've abandoned it and it hasn't, it, 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 like that guy got <laughs> on me once and, he, and I saw that he had, and when I originally bit, I, I said, oh, he downloaded a podcast. What's he listening to? Um, oh, my favorite murder. And when I said that, it got such a massive round of applause <laughs> that it actually threw the rhythm off of the bit. <laughs> That's great. Into a podcast because your, yes. your cultists are everywhere. And That's also right. they felt a little let down when I would mention it and then go back into my bit. They're like, oh, we could have, Wait. we you just talk about that. For <laughs> but, oh, really? We're gonna, okay. You know, like they, Oh, so I had to literally lose the name of your yeah. podcast in that bit. That's powerful. And then you got a standing ovation with the mention of Blue Apron commercials. <laughs> it backfired again. Yep. Yeah, that I love that detail. Yeah, the only reason I keep asking Karen to start doing stand-up again is to validate me doing it all this time. <laughs> like, it's 100% okay if you don't want to do stand-up. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. uh, 100% support it. I want to do stand-up because I want the, like, applause and glory and attention. Oh, I yeah, just don't want to write bits that will be good enough <laughs> to get me that. That's right. the problem. Is that, like, I'll stand on stage and quackety around all day long. Yeah. It won't It won't be good. People will be like, oh, I kind of liked her podcast before, but not anymore. <laughs> oh, she's losing listeners. She's literally oh losing God. listeners. Yeah. She At least about. talk about murder. If you're gonna, <laughs> don't just stand there like this. We don't care what happened at the laundromat. Patton, like I was saying, did you feel pressure when you're talking about the lockdown or COVID or have jokes that you wrote during that time? Did you feel pressure that they needed to be? Did you feel the audience go, I don't want to even hear about this right. topic? Uh I, you know, I'm going to, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I didn't write anything during the lockdown. I didn't get get anything done. I cannot write sitting down. I have to, when I'm in it, like, as, as Karen said, if I'm in a toy boat, a toy boat, Jesus, if I'm in a coffee shop, (laughs) I'm very wealthy. I had a toy boat built in my office. That's where I sit. Just to write in? What if I was like, who's that guy from the Simpsons, John Swartzwelder, who he would always write his Simpsons scripts at this specific booth in a specific diner. And then I think the diner like stopped allowing smoking inside. So he had a replica of the booth built in his house. That he Is could, that true? Yeah, he could sit in and smoke and write his scripts. I, I oh. swear to God, like he was like, this is where I do my best writing. So I built this booth in my house. Um, That's genius. Yeah, but I mean, I have topics and ideas and I write down maybe where it can go, but I can't work it out unless it's in front of an audience. I don't of course. go there blank and riff. I know what I want to talk about, but for some reason, my writing happens on stage. So I had to wait until I could go back on stage. And at that point, it was the only time we were talking about the pandemic and COVID was in the looking back in the, like, it was that feeling of, well, we all made it through. And how is yours? Because mine wasn't good. I didn't do a good shutdown. I didn't do a good quarantine. (laughs) I really went crazy. Yeah, Yeah, it really worked. That Those were my favorite bits of yours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I embraced how completely unproductive I was, how zero personal growth, how there was absolute physical <laughs> collapse. Uh, yes, there was just dis- immediate disgusting weight gain, weird. <laughs> like I lost track of time. So I would like, I would like take what I thought was a nap, but I had actually would sleep for eight hours or I would <laughs> go to sleep at 10 o'clock thinking I'd slept all night and I'd wait. Oh, my eyes, it was 11 PM. I'm like, like everything was off. I was just a friggin' wreck. Just yeah. time travel naps. Oh, yeah, I God. did the same thing too. I ordered and then not what a good quality, just ordered weird rubber bands uh, <laughs> that I'm supposed to like stand on a ball and lit like all the oh, exercise <laughs> equipment. Oh, you thought you were going to exercise? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I did for like three days. I'm like, and even yep. was like, yeah, I'm starting to notice results. And then, <laughs> oh. Uh, just when time I, one of the couch naps. strongest memories, I think, right at the beginning <laughs> yeah. when the shutdown was coming, mm-hmm. it, it it went from like a, a kind of a weird, funny thing on Twitter to like this is really happening. Yeah. And then I just remember standing in the kitchen, staring out the window, and going, "This is super weird. 
No one's ever gone through it before. You might go crazy. Yeah. Don't be like, just don't be mean to yourself. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You can eat ice cream. You can never move. You can whatever. Just don't be mean to yourself. Because that's when I really fuck up is when that voice uh, in my head starts going like, you're a fucking piece of shit, whatever. So I was like, yeah, it's ice cream time. Guess what, salt and straw? <laughs> We're about to get to, to know each other really well oh, doing your fancy straw. flavors. God. Like, Delivered ice cream. Oh yeah. Fuck. Oh, I had my boxes from Jenny's coming. Wait, I just the whole <laughs> like they would they would announce a fall collection. I'd be like purchase entire collection. <laughs> I don't even like Kathy's flavors. I just want. I'm a completist. I want the whole collection. Give I it. want them. Yeah. I, how did you have that wisdom that early though? Because I have the delusion of I mapped out what I was going to do, the, the amount of writing I would do, the, but you. I guess you just embrace the fact that, wait a minute, this is not going to go well for anyone. You're one of the lucky few that knew that going in, so you probably suffered less trauma. I think the people who are trauma-raised, I think people who mm -hmm. had, like, a sudden death early in their childhood or weird, like, big life shift kind of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I've always been that way a little bit where I'm like, when when people are like, no, we have to go do this. I'm the person that's always like, we absolutely don't have to do it. Just wait and see how we don't have to do this. And then right. when the like rule breaker, kind of like not rule breaker, but just I, I got to see things early on where it's like, these adults are faking it. Everything is a little <laughs> bit, everything's a little bit fake. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to be so worried about this stuff. But I knew that like the impact, because we'd already been through so much shit with this fucking Trump stuff in yeah. January 6th. Like our realities just kept getting broken every day. So I was like, okay, now we're doing a quarantine. Okay, <laughs> the whole planet is going to have a mild freak out. Mm -hmm. However that affects us all, whether it's some kind of untapped energy source we don't really know anything about or this or the great, what's that called? When we all share the consciousness, the- um, uh, um, Yeah, um, Gaia, Earth's Gaia or the mass unconsciousness or some kind of hive <laughs> or something. There's like a, there's like a, there's like a, some kind of a person that tells you to journal where it's like, we all share the same awareness and we all mm. creatively draw out of the same awareness pool. Anyway, I was like, the awareness pool is fucked. Like someone just poured a bunch of <laughs> bleach right. into the awareness pool. That's a great way so to I think was, of it. Like I, I was going to sit in the sun for a little bit. I don't need to get in the pool for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, eh, eh. so if we're, if I'm going to be locked into my house with d basically just two dogs, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> One of which then got lung cancer, Jeez, where I was what? just like, <laughs> I was just like, okay, this is going to get really hard. Okay, well, and I just kept doing that where I was just like, okay, so nothing else can matter. You get like, if right. you need to eat ice cream for dinner, and that somehow is your maladaptive coping mechanism because your dog has bone cancer, go for it. Because at this point, no one's going to be back on you know, back on the starting line anytime right. soon. That's, this right. is at least a two-year pause. Yeah, that's why I was, I, I don't want to say the word thriving, but emotionally I felt <laughs> just fine because there wasn't this looming, I don't consider myself competitive, but the fact that everything stopped for everyone, mm -hmm. this weight yeah. was lifted off my shoulders and it's like, it doesn't matter what I do. No one's doing anything. Right. I'm on yep. Zoom shows that I feel shitty about. And then I watch Stephen Colbert doing a Zoom <laughs> oh. version of his show in a sweaty <laughs> panic. And it gave yep. me such joy <laughs> to see him in that pan. The same panic I'm having, 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No one is fully thriving. I didn't realize that's what drove me. Other people's thriving. It was a psychological <laughs> version of that comforting nihilism we all had in the 80s of, yes, we're afraid of a nuclear war, but if it happens, we all go. Like, there won't yeah. be yeah. people that won't, like, in other words, we'll be lucky if we get killed immediately. It was this yes. weird, like, hey, I'm, I, if that, when I see the missiles, I'm, I will actually relax. Like, there's nothing yeah. I can do. I'm actually, yeah. every decision's been made for me for the rest of my life, I can relax. It's, yep, it's so funny that that was a fear from a, a fear from my childhood in the 80s, hiding under your desk. And just today watching the news, I was like, wait, where will I go? I guess that could still happen. I'll go to my garage. That's right, all. That's right. a cement box. That'll so I, do it, yeah. Yeah, I just have to undo the padlocks. <laughs> Karen, you just reminded me, because I was talking about this the other day, how you remind me of, Kirsten Dunst in Lars von Trier's Melancholia, where it's about oh, the world you. ending, but <laughs> the one person who handles it all with grace and dignity is the suicidally depressed character who's always like, yes. I'm actually ready for <laughs> this. Like, exactly yes. like the, the other woman's like running across the golf course with her kid, like trying to survive. And Kirsten is like, ah, oh, here we go. She's watching the sparks come off her hands, like about to be cooked alive. Like she's the yeah. one person who dies pretty <laughs> because she's ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Just don't fight it. Just don't yeah, struggle. Exactly. Well, also here, this is a very Melancholia-esque. I'm, I remember watching that movie in the theater. Oh, I was boy. in Chicago at the time and I was just like, wow, I'm really relating to this. <laughs> that was the feeling. Also looking out my kitchen window and I have a really lovely view of the valley and there was not an ounce of smog. It was clear yes. as a bell. It was like gorgeous nature. And I was like, this is the kind of thing that might make you go crazy because that's not normal. Mm -hmm. And that's really creepy and you're going to see it every day and it's going to slowly get under your skin. So keep your eye on not actually liking that. Like I was doing that kind of stuff of like here when I was wiping down my cereal boxes. Remember when we were all oh. wiping down groceries? <laughs> yes. And I was wiping down a Cheerios box and saying to myself, this could definitely make you go crazy. This is exactly yeah. the kind of thing that would yes. make you spin out. And yeah. I just kind of kept doing that. And it was like the voice that's always been in my head going like, that's not right. And you're not good enough. <laughs> Finally was fucking helping me where it was like, right. yeah, this could go bad. Yeah. Don't, don't freak out about this because this could actually go <laughs> like wiping down bags of pinto beans. I will never cook. <laughs> like what's the plan? I was, uh, I was cleaning. I was doing a big book purge the other day. Oh, this is so pathetic. I do, we, have, we have all these cookbooks, which we've never opened. And mm -hmm. right when the pandemic <laughs> started, God, this is so embarrassing. So I have a book that <laughs> Jet Tila gave me, 100 Recipes You Must Try Before You Die. And he's just this great cook. And I had bookmarked right at the beginning of the pandemic the recipe for apple pie. I was going to teach myself to make apple pie. And I was doing the book purge and I took it out and there was the bookmark, which I bookmarked it and never opened it again. Never bought the, nothing. It never happened. It was just this weird little marker of another thing I did not do. Oh, yeah. delusion. <laughs> Pure well, delusion distraction though it was almost like it's um when something scary is happening me and my sister and i always do this voice where it's like okay well it's like that your voice goes up really oh, high, yeah. high and you're like i'm gonna make an apple pie that's what i'll do and it's just like that's your version of kind of like action panic where it's like yes this will do it this will fix it yes there was a great onion headline the week after 9 11 and it was just like not knowing what else to do mom bakes american flag cake <laughs> <laughs> that 
<laughs> Which is exactly it. That's you. Oh my God. That the, the panic, <laughs> the panic chores and the panic joking when things go wrong. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's very real. Yeah. Yes. I'll, do, I'll do a load of dishes. That'll make things better. <laughs> I like sweeping. And it's like, what's that internal voice? I've never spoken like that before in my life. This'll do it. The fuck yeah, did who that are come you? From? Yeah. <laughs> Holy Stop talking crap. like that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a great little super micro budget science fiction film came out in 2014 called Coherence. And it was shot for 50 grand over five days in this guy's house. It's just eight people in the movie. And something starts going wrong with reality. There's no crazy special effects. There's no, it's just something starts going wrong. And the one thing that actually ups the panic level when I watched it was the crazier things get, the more like bad jokes characters tried to make because they're trying to go back to the normalcy of the awkward dinner party they were having. Like they're craving when they were making the shitty jokes. So then they start doing more of them. And it felt so, it it elicited such a panic response in me that that's what people do when things start getting crazy. Yes. Especially me and my family. Like if someone's on their deathbed, we all do at least 10 (laughs) minutes. Yes. And some of it, I think, I wish I had written down. Like, yeah. some of it's good. But that's that's your coping mechanism. So your dad's like, bring me right up. after you Just do a quick five and bring yeah. me right up. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. All right. Don't spend long on the intro. No yeah. credits. <laughs> I mean, it is so comforting, though. I think if you're from that kind of family, mm-hmm. when things are shitty and someone looks across at you and it's like when my mom had Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and my, my sister, oh my, this was my dad's recurring thing of, uh, she makes it easy. She'd be like doing some insane thing across the room where everyone was like in a panic of like, because my mom was so, her whole thing was like being cool and being kind of like refined, mm-hmm. fake refined. Mm-hmm. She was from the, the mission, but she mm. kind of tried to act like she was, you know, one of the Kennedys. <laughs> and when she got sick and it all just kind of, she just lost all that. She would do a lot. She would do weird shit and she would kind of like start like kind of yell at you for no reason. There was just a lot of like, obviously, it was just a lot of craziness. And my dad just with a big smile turned to me and my sister. Well, she makes it easy. And that's what it's <laughs> Like we were... There were constant bits. They yeah. were constant, mm-hmm. constant bits. Yep. When my mom was in her facility, we, my sister and I laughed so hard <laughs> the whole time and then felt terrible on the drive home. Yeah. Like, yeah. why did we just laugh? Right. We yes. were the only people laughing in this sad place <laughs> of pee puddles and shaking. And Horrible. <laughs> we laughed so hard. I can't. Oh, have I miss to. those times. Yeah. You, you have I no mean, other choice. You just have no other choice. Don't. Yeah. You don't have a choice. And oh, you need to, it has to be with those people that get you that you don't, I mean, it has to be like close people, but that you would never have to go back and explain anything to. No. Like I, I, st- I spent a day with my mom once she was kind of like over the line, way over the line, and mm-hmm. I didn't know it yet because I was down in LA. Mm-hmm. And I spent a day with her that was madness. And it was truly, it was like a horror movie. <laughs> and when my sister came to pick me up, I started crying and I was like, I want her to die. And I was doing it like it was the fucking, you know, it was like, I have to tell you something. She, I think, and my sister goes, you don't think I've looked up how to kill her? <laughs> <laughs> and I I had been like sobbing. And then we both start laughing. She's yeah. like, yeah. I fucking think that every single time. That's not, yeah. of course you do. Like, yeah. what are you That's talking hilarious. about? And I was just like, thank fucking God. Yeah, that was sweet of her to wow. say, actually. Yeah, that was well, she kind of saved you. She gave you a lifeline yeah. there. Yes, yeah. to go like, 
yeah, that's some something horrible, but also, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. to me, that's the those are the funniest times because it's the it's heart wrenchingly funny. Yeah, um, I think Amy Poehler told me once when she was on SNL and either her mom or dad died, but she had to do the show and then go to the funeral the Ugh. next day, but she had just gotten the news and it was really tearing her up. And she goes, what saved her was when they were in dress and she was starting to fall apart. Um, John Hamm was the host. It was his first hosting time. And he took her aside and he was like, look, I, I can't even imagine what you're going through right now, Amy, but this this is a big shot for me. So I need you to pull it together. And it made her laugh <laughs> so hard and it got her through the night. Oh, like that's he great. saved her by doing that. It was so perfect. Oh. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yes, he was really genius. going out on a limb with that joke. Yeah, because boy, like, that, that could have backfired. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and uh, then they went on to do John Ham's John Ham. Oh, Did you see that sketch? Jesus Christ. It was <laughs> I was like, this is the dumbest, best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And he and John Ham's John Ham. You know, when they pitched that to him, he he just even before they he was like, Yes, we're absolutely doing this. We're so <laughs> doing this. And then when he when he talks about the, you know, my, my name is spelled with two M's instead of one M and that John is with an H and mine isn't. Feel like a dumbass yet? <laughs> like like <laughs> how he's, he's just, oh God, he just nailed, he's so funny. Yeah. That, that drove me crazy. That's like, that's like um, Elizabeth Banks and Alec Baldwin. And it's like, hey, hot or funny, you just pick one. You don't get to have both of those. It's for real. That's ridiculous. Real. That's just, It's so irritating. You should have to pay for this somehow. This is not good. That's funny. I remember the first time he was at UCB or something, and he, I was like getting upset that because I couldn't stop looking at just the way his face is shaped. Yes. And then... <laughs> That f- that face was being funny, and I'm like, well, then actually, fuck you, yeah, fuck yes. a little bit because you're like, yeah. oh yeah, just so many, so many lines in that that face of his, and yeah. very funny, he's very and funny. they're all so handsome, funny. yeah, they're all handsome lines. I think Tina Tina Fey described. <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a cartoon of a pilot. Like, yeah. like when they draw a handsome pilot in a cut, that's what he looks like. Like it's the kind of handsome that makes you angry at him. Like, I hope something bad happens to you. you no, nope. dare you. He also gets the extra sheen of being on such a good show that it's it made him more beautiful because the show was written so well yes. and he did so many amazing things. Like it's it's that kind of thing where like his his I, what's the what's the word for it? It's like his um, jawline. His, his well, no, <laughs> like the, uh, I know. I just yes, I was still that, in I, my own little world. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like his grade, you know, like grade A, honey. Right. He's just like just grade A. Oh, it's ridiculous across yeah. the fucking board. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it drives me crazy. In my day, you yeah, could only do day, one thing. Clowns look like clowns, whether without makeup. <laughs> We did it as a service to people. You knew. When Eugene Pallet walked on screen, you thought, that's a funny guy. Yeah. And if you were accidentally ha- handsome, you'd just fall down more. Because you're a clown. <laughs> Make yourself ugly. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. Patton, you are, uh, are you allowed to say where you are right now? Oh, yeah. I'm in, I'm in fabulous steam bathy Savannah, Georgia. Um <laughs> Which uh, I don't starting know. over again? Uh, yeah, you know Just what? Like- things I tried again. I tried fresh uh, with a new wife, and boy, that went. She went over to <laughs> Just ran off. Went on vacation with Columbia. Ran off with a street musician. It's it's sure. I'm still, still sure. in a spiral. 
Um, <laughs> you know, just hey, look, a hot eighteen-year-old Colombian—that that is a wild animal celebrity. That there, you can't compete with that. You she's can't. like, she's like, fuck your IMDb. I'm leaving with Juan. Um, I'm He's do- out. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this mini series in um, Savannah. It's set in the Civil War, so I get to wear this massive fake beard, huge yes. wool uniform, gun, Fun. sword, hat. Just basically, I'm, I'm in my own personal sauna all day um, on this set. I've been here since July. And uh, yeah, it's it's been quite an experience. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun to be in period wool when it's like <laughs> 102 with a <laughs> the humidity of urine. I did, a, I was like an extra in a Western when I first moved to Austin. And it, they made t-shirts the day it was 115. And I was wearing layers of wool, just sweating through it. And I'm like, I don't think I have what it takes to be one of these actor people. <laughs> this isn't going to happen. No, no, I can't do it. At that. least when Karen did her TV series, she was smart to go over to Scotland, where it's it's That's nice. That's right. And, yeah, and you can you can dress like for fall weather, and it's not uncomfortable. That's right. You, yeah. I, I told my agent at the time, it has to be above <laughs> the Greenwich the Greenwich line because I can't handle anything. <laughs> Even France, a little, little too spicy a, mm, for me. Yeah, a little it, during during Fumador, it is uh, not amenable to the actor. So I will do Scotland. I will do Iceland. I, I will too. consider Greenland. I did a movie in Iceland, and the day that I got there, we we flew into Reykjavik, and then we drove an hour outside of Reykjavik to this little like sportsman's lodge in a town that I don't think had vowels in it. It was so out <laughs> on this glacier. And so the day that I got there, someone said, hey, walking out on the glacier is really beautiful if you need like a walk or something. I wasn't going to be shooting for a couple of days. I was like, all right, like I, I need this. I needed to clear my head. So I go for this. <laughs> I'm walking out on the glacier, no headphones in, don't have my phone. I'm just like, wow, I'm actually cut off. This is great. And I was really feeling energized. And I see this speck way in the distance like someone's walking towards me like a mile away on the glacier. And I keep going and the speck gets closer and closer and closer. And it gets up to me and it's Sean Penn. He's like, oh, hey, Pat. I'm like, oh, hey, I, I guess I don't escape Hollywood no matter what. Like, And then he just kept walking. And then we were shooting the movie together, but I didn't know he was already there. But I'm like, the one person I see out on the glacier is Sean Penn. I wish that he was not in the movie. He was just fucking there. Please, I was like, he wasn't even in the movie. Yeah, Sean Penn on a glacier comes up and is like, "This is actually my glacier." Was Rick trespassing? Was that like, "Hey, do you have you are you coming from where the bourgeois pig is?" I am really lost. I just (laughs) went for a walk, and uh, holy, I think I took a wrong turn. Am I still on Beachwood? Where is this? So weird. (laughs) Yeah. I, I almost said something dumb, I think. Believe it or not, you guys. Uh-oh. And Chris, I thought, no. I thought, well, was that for uh, Sandman? But you probably didn't have to leave your house to do the voice of that Raven no, Hawk. thank God I was able. That was something. That's the one thing that came out of the pandemic from my panic was I built a little voiceover booth oh, in okay. a corner of a room because I was like, well, this is the only way I'm going to make money. I did one online show. Like they were, remember they were trying to do those online stand-up shows yep. and yeah. I had a slow motion panic attack. Mm-hmm. And then I had like three days of genuine, I don't, I, I don't want to say suicidal depression, but like existential gloom of 
if this is how comedy is, then I'm not a right. comedian anymore. I, I don't exist yep. in this world. You know, I, I was so out of my element. And then I was like, maybe I should just do voiceover. So I built a little, like, it's literally in a corner. I didn't build a studio. It's just a thing in a corner. I can hang these acoustic blankets around right. and then just do my voiceover. Right. That's it. You pulled over the divider that you throw your slip over normally, and that's now yes. your voiceover booth. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, I watched it happen one night. And then I go, you know what? Give me a blanket and a string. And I'll just That's the way you there. do it. There you go. Good acoustics. That's so yes. funny that you immediately found a plan B solution because I just kept doing panic-inducing Zoom shows. Oh, I so did it like was, I did one 60 and of I them. barely got through it. You did 60 of them? I did. I kept doing them. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I would lay in bed with my eyes open afterwards every single time. I don't. Sometimes they were fun. Uh, uh, I swear to you. I did one and it was a friggin' nightmare. And I had, I thought, I was like, was I crying on that at the end? Like, I literally thought I, maybe <laughs> yeah. I started crying. I, yep. oh God, I hated it so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, did you do so many of them because you're thinking, I will get the knack of it if I keep doing them, or you just did it out of panic? I, oh, I was, I really felt like this is going to be a thing and I better get used to it because God knows how many years we're going to be. Right. Doing yeah. these, I wasn't that far <laughs> off, and like the third or fourth one I did, they had trust to fifteen trusted audience members that were also let into the the room, yeah. and you could hear them laughing, and that was enough for me. And the drive-in mm. shows where they're honking, that was enough to, to to just have a piece of it, and I wouldn't panic during those ones, and there was like a little glimmer of hope. But no, usually fetal position. All night, baby. <laughs> I saw one. This was my, one of my favorites because people were playing that online game. Uh, what was it called, Chris? Whip, the like Quiplash. Fill in the, Quiplash. Yeah. Quiplash. And I was on. I was on a show <laughs> where me and Chris and then like five other people were playing Quiplash. Right. So you're you're basically in like a joke contest of hack jokes. Yeah. So and Chris fucking immediately just began to destroy everyone. All of his jokes were actually funny. Most people would just do like, just, you know, a dog's huge dick and then it would get all these points from everybody else. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And But every time Chris's answer was funnier than everybody's and well, actually good. And then at one point, he thought his internet went out. <laughs> but it didn't. We could still see him. It was like your, his side or his audio oh. or something. So then he just got up from like where he is right now and went over to the doorway and he just started doing pull-ups on a pull-up bar really angrily. Oh, and it's fuck. one of the funniest yeah, I things remember that. I've ever seen. <laughs> and we all thought you did it on purpose and he was not trying to be funny in real life. I it really was thought funniest. I was alone finally. <laughs> Okay, so that funny. was the little window where I was working out. Like I was, I was, I, I hate saying it, but I was thriving. It's like you said, it's some of the best joke writing I had. It was, I was, I was doing my chin ups. Wow! And now everything's picked up again, and I'm. It I'm was just. Back. It was the best. The idea, though, of like as a bit, basically being enraged by tech and then going and just yes. doing like ten pull ups is so funny. <laughs> If you were being funny. It's so human. Yeah. And I also remember at the very, very beginning of the pandemic, like Zoom had not become the thing yet. At the beginning, there were nine different platforms and every new right. show you would do, they would go, well, on our show, we use blip blop. And what you yeah. have to do, you have to shut down these things and you got to yep. read. And it was just like, and you get like, it, some of it would fuck up my computer and I would get all yeah. angry. And I was so... <laughs> 
oh, that also gave me all this anxiety. Like I, I don't, but I don't want to be the old guy. You know, I don't want to be the the 1940s band leader going the Beatles. It's just the two guys with guitars and a drum. What the hell is this shit? You know, so I went out of my way not to be that cranky guy, but inside I was just enraged and terrified. I did. Yeah. I got angry during a lot of them and then felt bad. I was like, well, I just panicked and got mad at four strangers. Because I, yeah. I I didn't yeah. like the game show they invented. It was all these <laughs> weird variety. It's like we're doing a trivia game show, and there's a buzzer. Yeah, if this is going to be painful, let's also make it complicated. Right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, God, yeah. I, I have no. Or offense those shows this. like I did Dave Holmes show, which I love Friday yeah. Forty. Right. So it's just like yeah. it's we it's topical comedy, and then whatever it. It just dragged like in this way where I was like, you'd say something, you'd know it was funny. No one would make a sound. Then you were like, stop saying stuff. You're not funny. Like in <laughs> within the structure of the game show, it was just like you, I absolutely lost the will to live. It was just like, why do I do this for a living? Yeah. And and then you then you like hit leave meeting and then you're like, wait, what am I, why did I do that? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Why am I, oh, it gets all the craziness. And also just the, the day you would try to get up, like today I'm going to start fresh and you would try to eat a healthy breakfast. But then the day just turned into a weird connected string of snacks. There wasn't really <laughs> a specific lunch or dinner. You just kind of ate until you got tired and then you went to yeah. bed and then, and, and then, <laughs> then I added drinking to that, which was not a good idea because again, there's no sense of time anymore. So there's no sense of like, well, it's six o'clock. I'll go have a glass of wine. I'll have a shit. It's like, well, it's six o'clock and I'll have something. And then I, is it four hours later? How much have I been drinking? Like you don't even, because you don't have to go anywhere. So you don't feel like, oh, I'm getting hammered because you're right. just, you can just walk five feet and go to bed. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. There were some bad days. <laughs> At one point, there was a day where in the middle of my house by myself, I yelled, stop eating cereal because I, it was just, just at a house plant. It, it was just my go-to for yeah. solution for everything. It's just like, I guess I'll eat more Lucky Charms, the worst thing I could be eating right now. And it was yep. just like, stop doing this. What are you doing? Yeah. Then I went into my, I went into a real swimming phase, which actually was great. That's good. But yes, that was much better. Wow. But still a little surreal because it was, I was alone. So that was the part where I was just like, just be careful with this isolation part because that's what yeah. gets people. Right. Not good. Yeah. No. Well, we're bumming out all the listeners right now. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you were lonely? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we were sad too. And we're going to continue yeah. to be and remind oh, damn you. Damn it. How you were once sad, even if you yeah. were happy. An hour ago. Wow. Uh, when you did the, with Janine Garofalo, the, the tour for the, the uh, Ratatouille, when, oh, yeah. how many years ago was that now? Please don't say it's over 10. But well, it it's 15. It's 15. Holy shit. <laughs> Sorry. The earth, the time is a malleable concept. I don't know what to tell you. 15 oh my years God. ago, we went on that. That was my first big movie tour to promote a that movie. That was your first like starring role thing, right? Yeah. And I remember we were in these little towns where we would also do stand up and then, you know, go yeah. do all the press um, and try to. And this was like still sort of pre-internet. Like, I think there was MySpace, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one thing I do remember is we had to go do this event 
a screening and press event and it was on a Sunday evening and we were going to miss the last episode of The Sopranos. So we asked the hotel we were at, and they were so nice to us. They videotaped it for us and then set a VCR up in our room. However, no internet, no Twitter. We just knew that the episode was set up in our room. They went, go up there, hit play. They they put out little little bowls of popcorn for us. And that's sweet. (laughs) sweet. Yeah. So we're sitting there, Janine and I are watching it in my hotel room. And then you know how that episode ends, right? It just cuts to black. And we freaked out thinking, oh, there's VCR cut off or something just like, because it literally cuts off mid-lyric in the song and nothing happened. And then we didn't wait for the credits. We just like shut it off and called downstairs. Something went wrong with the VCR, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And this popcorn is stale. (laughs) But then we, I think we ended ended up having to call a friend and have, because the person at the front desk was trying to explain to us, no, 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 it's supposed to be like that, but they weren't explaining it very well. And we thought, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And then we called a friend of ours, like, no, no, it literally cuts off. And, but for like an hour, we were like, we missed the last second of the, it was, it was so, I remember that so vividly that we were both in that room together. And I never watched it until quarantine. I finally finished Sopranos. So people could stop getting mad at me at parties. (laughs) But you, you have, you let me open for you guys on that tour, like in, in Salt Lake city and Austin. And, and I, it was, that was during a time where I had nothing going on. And you liked like a three stooges bit I had that didn't ever work. You're like, I like (laughs) that three stooges bit. Do you want to go on tour? Uh, for the, yeah. And it was so, I had never done like, uh, you know, standing audience music venues like that. And That's right. And, uh, yeah, that kind of, Cross kind of really started that for a lot of alt comics. Let's go to small rock clubs. And I was yeah. like, that's a great yeah. idea. And we just so ran good. with it. Still all I want to do. And yeah. so anyway, thank you for that. I needed oh. that at that time. And I always think about the fact that you did that for me. Well, and that you. was my, okay. That was my first time ever in Salt Lake city. And first off, it's a beautiful city. Yes. It's a Mormon yes. enclave. What yeah. was really weird though, is it really did stay true to the whole idea of, well, and you know, Mormons, they don't drink alcohol. They don't drink coffee yep. and, and they don't listen to secular music. And there was that one block. It was the equivalent of Salt Lake city's red light district where it's yeah. jammed with coffee shops, record stores, like all the forbidden <laughs> yeah. stuff was on this one block. People and break it, dancing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the pastor from Footloose standing there going, get away, walk out. No, don't do it. Watching 80s romantic comedies. Like, ooh. <laughs> but I just remember the coffee was so strong. It was like, if we can't, if we're going to go, if I'm going to go sit and have coffee, it had better be worth it. This yes. stuff was paint thinner. It was so strong. <laughs> Never forgotten that. The weird Salt Lake City red light district. And I remember that audience being great. I I yeah. love audiences there. Yeah. yeah. I just read an article that some fancy chef just said Ratatouille is the best food movie ever or the best like chef movie ever. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Well, Anthony Bourdain said we were the most realistic movie about a chef and other chefs that I've not to brag, but when I go to nice restaurants, the chef will come out and say hello. He's like, oh, you're the rat from the movie. I'm like, yeah. And, <laughs> That's right, motherfucker. And I, really and like, I know my right, stuff. Yeah. And where's my extra bread basket? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've got, I've become very good friends with people like Grant Ackett's 
um, who does a linea in Chicago. And mm. there were little, de- and friends of mine who are chefs and who've worked in the business, like there are all these little details that they got so right. Like there's always a pot of potatoes soaking. You got to have potatoes <laughs> ready. You can't be peeling them when someone orders them. They got to be ready to go. The floor is super warped. All great kitchens, the floor, because of hot, cold, sure. hot, constantly hitting it. Oh, yeah. And in the animation, the floor was all warped? Well, they built, this is how crazy, you know, things are at Pixar. They built an AI program to, like, build the floor and and to make it, you know, to imagine what it would be like, years of stuff hitting it so it would be warped. But then at night, when they were rendering the background, the program would go in and neaten out all the tiles and flatten them. (laughs) And they had to teach it, like, don't, Wreck your work. We need this to be oh, uneven that's and so fucked funny. up. Yeah. So they'd have to type in water damage yeah. again. Well, yeah. <laughs> the AI is like, this is not correct. <laughs> it, it must we be flat. Like- <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I yeah. hate art. <laughs> I hate humanity and life. <laughs> Stop <laughs> Wait, scuffing everything. It's getting a mind of its own. <laughs> the audience wants to see the floor. If all humans were dead, show me all humans dead floor. <laughs> <laughs> the animation program kills itself. Oh, damn. <laughs> We made it too smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, really, um, uh, it's very gratifying to be, I mean, there's, there have been some really good um, chef films that get like, like big night and, and chef um, that really get the world correct. I don't know. If, burnt. And burnt. Don't forget burnt. Burnt. Which I watched like four <laughs> times in quarantine. I don't know why, but I loved burnt. Is that the one where it's all one shot or is that a different one? No, that burnt is the one with Bradley Cooper where That's, he's just kind of like, you know, cool and on drugs yeah. and he's a chef. And chef. I think I just love the idea of like, I, I, to me, I think chefs are more exciting than rock stars because oh. they actually can, they can do something useful, useful in life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it is really hard what they do and how they do it every single night is mm-hmm. really hard. So I'm always like, how don't we like, so you're friends with chefs. How do I get to be a friend? Because that to me, that just is so, it's so compelling, but it's also more high pressure than anything. It's just like, yeah. it's, that is like they, those doors open and you have to be consistently putting out perfectly delicious food for rich assholes who are absolutely ready to complain at any single thing and they want innovation and this and that. I learned yeah. all this from Chef's Table. Oh yeah, and I didn't half know the stuff, <laughs> half the time, they're not even tasting their food. The, the food is secondary to, they're having a meeting, they're on a date. There, you know, it, the, the food you have broken your soul putting that stuff on the plate, and they're just like, all right, anyway. And then yep. that's oh, here, okay, here's a, a very embarrassing example of that. There's a restaurant in Culver City called Nanaka that was run by this. Um, you've been in Nanaka or you've heard of it? No, I, I know of it from Chef's Table, Chef's Table, yep. And she is a friggin' genius, and I've eaten there many a time. And yes, it's always different every time, and um, she. The first time I ate there, we were we were done with dinner, and then she came out and was saying hi. And then she goes, "Do you remember me?" I was like, uh, "Wait, I don't think so." She goes, "I ran a sushi restaurant called Azami on Melrose back in the '90s. That was her first restaurant, and it was down the street from the Golden- one by Winchell's." Yes, 
Azami. <laughs> that was her first restaurant. <laughs> Holy, that one, I had friends because I don't eat fish, do but I had friends who were, because my friends who were lived within walking distance of that place yep. were like, we have found a secret, perfect restaurant that no one's in. In a mini mall can, with the Winchells, and it's amazing. Yes, yes. Well, okay. And they would, Okay. No, no, I, I just got to say, this is the embarrassing part. And then you can tell me, because <laughs> let me tell you my embarrassing part, and then you tell me what your cool friends did, because I did something. <laughs> no, no, I, that was the whole story. I had, that was my story. That was, I have nothing else to add. Every Wednesday, I would go to Golden Apple. I would take my lunch break on the shows where I could go to Golden Apple, get my stack of comics, bring them to a zombie, plop down, order my faves. And she was giving to me, and, and she goes, you always had your head in a comic book. And I was eating the best sushi in the city and didn't know it because I was focused on, oh, right. you know, what's Batman doing? And, you know, <laughs> and like, like when and it wasn't like she got better, she was as amazing as she is at Nanaka when she was running Azami, the guy that yes. I think she trained under Matsuhisu. And he says in chef's table, like, well, yeah, I trained her and now she has surpassed what I've done. Like he's kind of yeah. admits that she completely eclipsed him. And I was just there to, just reading my books and didn't and but that's what chefs deal with all the time yeah but she yeah. remembers she remembers every person she's ever served ever wow. you know oh. i don't i don't know if you've seen the movie pig with nicholas cage no. i have not that is an amazing chef movie Nic nicholas cage plays this i forgot about it chef that he should have gotten an academy award for that movie but he plays a chef that is clearly like you said karen they they kind of risk their their mental health doing what they do. Yeah. And he's clearly someone that has gone off the deep end and he lived now he lives in the woods, but he's this legendary Portland chef that no one ever cooked better than. And he just lives in the wood with this pet truffle pig. And then some some meth heads steal the pig from him. And the whole movie is him trying to get the truffle pig back. Holy and he has shit. to go back through the restaurant world. And there is a scene, I, I can't, there's so much I can't spoil, but it's that idea of the reason he quit doing what he was doing is because I've reached this level of perfection and no one understands what I'm doing. So screw this. I'm gone. Yeah. It's and, and there are cooking sequences in that movie that you're like, I yeah, I can't believe I'm seeing this. I'm glad you reminded me about it because I did start watching it like during quarantine and yeah, maybe it was a bottle of wine or something, but I fell asleep. <laughs> I didn't ever finish it. And watch I, it again. I, yeah, I will. God. So the the woman that owned that sushi restaurant, was she calling you out on like you were reading comic books the whole time? And I or no, she I, just I, she because I had brought so many people to Nanaka after I watched that chef's table thing. I I put in a call and I waited um, a few months and finally got the table. And so I was bringing all these people and I was raving about it, but I think she was doing it more in a humorous way, but it's like, she was, she was doing it in that tone of like, welcome to my life. Right. That I, yeah. I had that place and half the people didn't know what they, again, we didn't know who we were eating sushi from. Yeah. Next level. No, just next level. Also, I really like, <laughs> I like the idea of a comic book nerd that, w that sits down and, and then asks the book the question, what's Batman doing? <laughs> All right. What's Batman up to? <laughs> Take a look. Comic book prepared to be enjoyed. <laughs> and a red. Yeah, I just, oh God, it's so pathetic. I can't eat. Uh. But yeah, that's that's the story of my life. Yes. And that kind of, I think I have such a wild respect. Almost, well, also because Chef's Table, I think is such a perfectly made TV show. Oh, like, God. God damn. Yeah. So perfectly made. But 
On top of that, I'm the kind of person that literally when it, it, it every night at 6.45, when I realize I have to provide dinner for myself, I'm surprised <laughs> and upset. Yeah, Every night. <laughs> it is. I literally am like verge of tears when I can't figure out or like it's like, I guess I'll just eat cereal again. Like it is, yeah. it is a mental block. So to watch people go like, it's easy. My cousin's like this. My cousin Stevie, it's like, it's easy. It's great. You have garlic. Look, you have garlic and you have this and that. <laughs> it's and it's easy. like, stop explaining it to right. me. Just make it. I yeah. don't, I can't do it. You heat it up. <laughs> yeah, these people that can do with, that can make something with whatever is there is yes. so beyond my imagining, it, it, it seems like they have, have superpowers. I don't understand it. For real. Yeah. Yeah. And and like it's going, that's happening now with my daughter. My daughter used to be, and, I, and this frustrated me, but I didn't realize the advantage I have. She used to be a very picky eater. So she would have like a bit of grilled chicken and some broccoli and mac and cheese. So all I had to do was learn to make a few items. And now this past summer, her palate has exploded and I have to like <laughs> learn how to cook things. So right now there's a lot of, door dashing going on. Like, so you want, okay, hang on. And I call that and then that comes in. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, but I have to learn to like cook other items and it's driving me crazy. Yes. Cause it, oh, just because how do you do that? How do I do that? It sounds like we need to take a cooking class. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, the day, (laughs) the day that, the day that the (laughs) shutdown happened for COVID, the day before, the, the day that, that, that Friday the 13th, I had scheduled a sushi cooking class in the downtown market. And, oh. but, but we, we suddenly found out there's this virus. And I was like, maybe we shouldn't be handling raw fish with a bunch of strips. Yeah. Like, Let's not go to a wet market. Literally, right now. I don't know. It's literally like I'm, I'm <laughs> taking myself into the vector of death. And I just said, yeah, oh, we're going to cancel this. I'm not doing it. Like I got so That reminds out. me of the acting class. I had prepared this scene from Chasing Amy for an acting class I had on the, the night of 9-11. And I was the only one. I showed up ready to have my first kissing scene with a, with a guy with braces. And I, I was like, well, surely we're still going to have the class, right? I memorized the lines. We, yeah. we still Serve have to hone our craft. No, yes. no one else came. <laughs> I used to take cooking classes all the time at the new school in, in Culver City. I did a whole um, four-week Thai cooking class and then a basic oh, cool. skills class, all of which I've forgotten. You know, like hmm. knife skills, how to like yeah. how to pair and bone a chicken. I, I forgot all of it. And I that's where I met uh, Jet Tila, who's a really good chef. But yeah, I should start doing that again because it does, I remember it being very good for me mentally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Me too. And that was one of the things during quarantine I got just through HelloFresh and having ingredients delivered to me. And I'm like, well, these are going to go bad if I don't at least try. And now I'm not intimidated at all. Just from learning basic things, like Karen said, like you have to have olive oil and butter and an (laughs) oven that doesn't blow a fuse. So I got a, a toaster oven. The point is I learned to cook. Some stuff and it feels good to like Karen. To is to... there an item you can cook? Oh, yeah. Like if you Karen had to impress can... <laughs> someone, what could you do? I mean, Karen's had parties and oh. I've there's... Oh, yes, I can make an appetizer. Yeah, okay. yeah. I have one, but see, but it's this stuff. And you're probably familiar with this too. My mom had all kinds of like Campbell's soup-based recipes, 
where she called them door slammers. My, and this is why I can't what? cook. Because my mom, mushroom. Yeah. my mom, for real, yeah. my mom was the head nurse at a mental hospital. And then she would come home and it would be 7.30. She would have called early to say, please clean up the living room before I get there. We, She'd get there. We hadn't moved. We're still wearing our um, Catholic school uniforms laying around. And she'd be like, thanks a lot. And then she'd have to make dinner. And she was bitter and she didn't like it. And she was not a good cook. So then, you know, 45 minutes later, the driest chicken breasts, minute rice, and Brussels sprouts that you couldn't eat, if even if you were meant to, yes. was what we got. That was dinner. So every night, dinner was this like drudgery. But then when my dad was home from the firehouse, because you have to cook in the firehouse, yep. he was basically trained by firehouse cooks. Damn. He could fucking cook anything. Really? So three days a week, dinner was a dream. And the other four, it was truly, my mom would be like, we're getting Chinese food. And I don't want to hear about it. And we'd be like, <laughs> we're all for it. Yeah, please. There's no, there's no fight here. Yeah. 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 Call the one weird Chinese restaurant that we have in town. <laughs> yeah. did, did your Chinese restaurant in the 70s and 80s did it have because ours had the American menu on it for because it hadn't quite <laughs> of course. gone wide, so you could get a hamburger or a slice of pizza for the yep. one because in the summer, like I don't eat this, just get me a hamburger. I don't yeah. want any of this. <laughs> some, some grumpy uncle, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah that, mine had that too. The golden pheasant, you'd go and there's yep. a corner with American favorites <laughs> <laughs> with a little American flag. And yeah. a cartoon of a guy with a rifle. <laughs> Just get me the spaghetti and meatball. I know it's I know it's Chef Boyardi. I don't care. Just give it to me. Did you okay? I have a question. I haven't done this yet. In the lobby of this, this hotel does not have um room service. I have a kitchen, but there's like snack foods, none of which are healthy in the lobby. And it's little, you know, it's a lot of Oreos and lot, yeah, yeah. yes, but yeah, they do have a couple of microwavable dinner things, and one thing they do have. And I realize I haven't had this since I was a kid. You just mentioned your mom cooking for you with the minute rice and the Brussels sprouts. They have rice down there. And oh. I haven't, and I used to love rice when I was growing <laughs> up. It was, and it was, again, the unhealthiest thing, 8,000, you know, grams of sodium, something. But yeah. I, I, because I have this nostalgic memory of it, a few years ago, I, re I remembered that, oh, I used to love those orange Hostess cupcakes you get at the 7-Eleven, the little yes. ones with the white. And I, and I, as a kid, loved them. Got them as an adult. They tasted wrong. It was clearly all chemicals. There was something <laughs> like, oh, the nostalgia didn't like. And now I've been debating since I've been here, do I go prepare myself a rice Will it not be the same thing? Well, I, I bet it won't be. I bet it'll be a it massive be. letdown. And do you have a kitchen? Because and you're both gonna think I'm lying, but I have prepared rice in the coffee maker. That base gets pretty hot. You put a uh -huh. little bit of. I've made rice in a. a Wait, I've prepared do you put it in the coffee pot. Just the coffee maker base is like a hot pot. I've used it many times. I've used it on frozen burritos. I've cleaned up my mess. I forgot now that you said there's a kitchenette. So. I'm, I'd like you to ignore what I'm saying. Don't okay. try and make rice in the coffee maker. But uh, use the in kitchen the future. If there, I've, yeah. I've prepared some meals on the coffee maker yeah. base. That's all. If you I end up doing an indie about. film and you're staying at <laughs> La Quinta and all you have is the coffee maker, Chris has a recipe for hobo chili. Yeah. And you can do it with the coffee maker. <laughs> you mix it up in the pillowcase. <laughs> you take you, three creamers. You cut and... a hole in the corner and squeegee it out. <laughs> 
Like, a <laughs> is, 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 it, is it a shower situation or is there a tub? Because if it's you got to get naked, then you're going to get. Oh, you got gravy for naked. dinner, my friend. <laughs> you're going to get one leg of the ironing board. You're going to get in there. <laughs> Open up the mattress, crawl inside, scream at the top of your lungs. Uh, yeah, that that's yeah, yeah. You can. You'll be. I would get rice roni just for nostalgia. I would try it. If I was if I was you, I'd absolutely use that to justify any any insane combination of things to eat. But I bet you they took out the MSG, which is big plus seventies yes. plus for yes. kids, oh, right. right? You're right. And you know they've changed. They've probably tried to hip up the spice combo, right? Which, like you know, if you get a if you get like a top ramen, it's the exact same top ramen from the eighties. They've never changed it because right. they're they don't care. Yeah, <laughs> and I think people always buy it no matter what. Exactly. But I think I bet you Rice Aroni was like, you know, we have to update yeah. some some somebody inherited the company and yeah. made everybody try to get here. Yeah, we've we've gotten some furiously written letters that it is not indeed the San Francisco treat. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I, there it is. I, God, top ramen. I, I, that that's what San Francisco in the early nineties was for me. It was all top oh. ramen, top ramen, top ramen. Oh, oh. I may, I remember we came back from a bar one time, and I was with my <laughs> friend Matt and his friend. I can't remember the guy's name. And I w- we were super drunk, and I was like, well, I'll just make us top ramen. They're like, how? And I'm like, watch this. And they couldn't believe it that I just, I made three at one time. <laughs> they thought, they were like, wow, this is amazing. Like, it was my recipe where I'm like, yeah, you just triple the water. Yeah, it's it's really easy to a make deal. a bunch of top <laughs> ramen. It's exactly yeah. the same as making one. And top ramen and, and microwave burritos were my go-to when I got back to the apartment at 2 a.m. and like, Oh, I better put something in my stomach or tomorrow's going to be bad. Like, I better soak up some of this booze. Where is something really greasy or salty? And those were my go-tos. Yeah. You know how I knew I was... And Chris, thank you for being patient because I can't talk to Patton without always walking down memory lane. I know. I love... It was such a specific time. We have so many... We have so many... Formative memories to that whole I group know, of us. This is like the Margaret yep. Cho episode where it was yeah. kind of fun to just see you guys go down. So yeah, don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm watching and listening. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. Don't leave. Um, don't leave. This story is so good. But there was a <laughs> there was a grocery store up the street from when we lived at Clayton and Waller. Mm-hmm. And uh, my rent was $350 oh a month. Oh, God, yeah. So, so I would take some of my, I would peel off some of that gap paycheck and walk <laughs> up the hill because there was a gourmet uh, a gourmet grocery store at the top of the hill. I had no business being in there. I couldn't make anything. They had like imported oh, Parmesan yeah. cheese or Crazy. this or that. But I would go up there and get like a baguette and some kind of, Irish butter. You know what I mean? Like you go mm. up and I'd be like, I have about 11 extra dollars. Mm-hmm. How am I going to make make this special? <laughs> and it was because that's, San Francisco was so food oriented. Yes, it was. That like taking your money to buy like a tall boy and then a baguette was not weird. No, <laughs> no. one would think you were like being snobby. There was like, no, this is, this is good bread and yeah. it's right up the hill. It's a bit yeah. much that you're riding in a bicycle with it poking out of a basket, but we get it. I put my beret on every single time to just stomp up the hill. There but you it go. Just, it makes me laugh. Like we were living off the fat of the land in the early 90s. We didn't realize how good we had we it. We really didn't realize that that was the last time that you could 
live on the fringes and not have to grind 24 seven. And now you can still be a young struggling artist, but you can't, you don't have five hours to just daydream. Like you better be working four jobs and you better be Instagramming and you better like something. And you you better have your little tip jar out on your Twitter feed. Like it's nonstop. (laughs) There's no one coming to help. There's no relief. There's no baguettes in your future. There's no baguettes. All. Yeah. And everything <laughs> yeah. is 350 a month. Oh, 350. That's insane. It was insane. I mean, we had three roommates, but it was a it was a first floor Victorian that, apartment. A great so neighborhood. Yeah. I <laughs> yes. I just I just went up there and I was walking. We were walking the daughter through the neighborhood because I I down the little guide and I'm like, that's where the Grateful Dead lived. That's where Charles Manson lived. That's where like just pointing out all these <laughs> yeah. Victorian houses. And so, yeah, that, that, but yeah, that you can't do that anymore. No, Wait, no one gets Char- to do it. Charles Manson had a nice house. Yeah. Well, I mean, he lived in a, <laughs> what one was of his those, problem? He was, <laughs> look, you, you can, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. You could be a struggling musician back then and live in a nice <laughs> Victorian, you know? A great musician. Exactly. A great struggling musician. I live with six or seven <laughs> other murderers. <laughs> But we we have tur- a turreted we have turrets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the wainscoting alone, the fucking wainscoting. <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> uh Patton, your how's your your com- uh is it minor threats? Minor I threats, mean, yeah. I have a, yeah, a comic yeah. out. How did yeah. that end up happening? It uh this my writing partner, the guy that we I wrote Modoc with for Hulu, uh we I had this idea for a Batman story, basically. And then it hit me, why? Because I've written for DC and Marvel, but I'm like, I'm busting my ass writing other people's IPs. Why don't we just do a creator-owned thing and just stay in control of it? And so we went to Dark Horse, which is a smaller company, but they let the creators own their stuff. And wow. um, it, it just, we just ran with it. It's this, and it's doing really well. We're, That's we're gonna, so um, great. Yeah, I didn't know you had already written comic books, so you already were totally in that world. Yeah, yeah but but the the world I was in was, um, you know, DC. Hey, do you want to write a Batman story? Hey, do you want to write a, you know, uh, an X Men story? Hey, I'm like, yes, obviously, but um, but doing something from scratch from the ground up was uh, completely something else for me, and it really, really was like, oh, I get to control this whole world. I can style. I can do flashbacks within this world or side stories. We can slowly populate this, this imaginary place. It's great. And you must have said to yourself, hmm, what's Batman doing? Right? Well, yeah. Just at the beginning? Uh, now, what is Batman doing? That had to be something where you're imagining like the the 15-year-old version of yourself looking into the future and thinking, oh my God, I end up being so cool. Well, right? or l- thinking back, what, what's really helps when you write comics, I think when you write anything, you flash back to your 15-year-old self and it's like, what was the cool stuff that I wasn't seeing that I wanted to see? And that's what you put into your work. Oh, right. Why don't they Ooh. show this? And then so you show that. I mean, that I, that's the whole basis of Star Wars was George Lucas watching Flash Gordon going, well, shouldn't, don't the aliens like get together and have a drink at the end of the day? Can't like just throwing those <laughs> scenes together were amazing. You yeah. Know? yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you remembered those things that you wished for when you were oh, a kid? Oh, yeah. I remember oh, all the, so like, great. what happens when a superhero does this or this, or all that kind of... But I'm like, comics now are so expanded. Like, like I, 
my comics reading, it's such a tiny slice of superhero comics and the rest are just these amazing stories about the world and about people. There's these writers doing genuinely incredible um, uh, speculative. There's a great one that I'm reading now called 8 Billion Genies. And basically one day everyone wakes up and every single, all 8 billion people on earth have their own personal genie. <laughs> An all-powerful genie. And the genie goes, I will grant you one wish. So everyone at the same time gets to wish for one thing. Now, there are crazy people out there. There are yeah. racists out there. there. So oh, the world wow. just starts going insane because everyone starts wishing at once. Some people are smart to go, I'm going to hold back for a second and wait. I'm going to wait to use, I'm going to see how this shakes out. Other people like immediately, I want a Corvette. And, the, and they have like <laughs> yeah. a, a Corvette, but then someone else has wished them to be dead. So it doesn't really matter. Like you don't, and, oh, and wow. you see how the world starts to change. And it's, it's just, it's so brilliant how they do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. It's called yeah. A Billion Genies? Eight Billion Genies. And God, it's so, and there's another one. I This guy, he's um Elliot. Kanan, I, I know I'm mispronouncing his name, used to be a Daily Show writer. He wrote this amazing comic called Maniac of New York. And the whole <laughs> basis of the comic is in like 1985, New Year's Eve, a Jason Voorhees type, this mask guy, uh, they call him, um, oh God, like Homicide Harry or something like that. Maniac, <laughs> Maniac Harry. He's got a hockey mask on and a big coat and he pops up in Times Square on New Year's Eve, kills 18 people. The cops shoot him 20 times. He doesn't die and he disappears. And then every few months since then, he pops up in Manhattan and kills a couple of people with his machete. And Manhattan just adjusted to it. It's like, well, uh, there was a maniac Harry sighting tonight in Chelsea, so maybe go home early. And otherwise, yeah. the weather this weekend is going to be great. Like, yeah. and, and as ridiculous as it is, uh, the obvious thing you think about is think of the mass shootings we have every day and yeah. nothing stops. Right. Nothing right. stops anymore. We're just like, well, they, they, like when you see it at the name of a town trending on Twitter, you're like, oh, there was a mass shooting. Some people yes. were just yep. shot and we're and business as usual. Or overturning Roe v. Wade. And then suddenly it's like, let's raise money to have women shipped out of the state where it was overturned. No, let's fucking yes. grab weapons yeah. and go somewhere with <laughs> right. that. Like, no, don't turn over that quickly. Yeah. It's so fucking frustrating. Or the current ignoring ignoring that COVID is still here and everyone's yeah. decided yeah. it isn't. That That's it's another example. Not here. <laughs> yeah, like, but, but yeah. it's showing you how and this is a scary thing, people will adjust to anything. Yeah. Yes. To anything. They Someone, I forgot who tweeted it, but it was like, when I saw the those Avengers movies with a snap and half the people disappear and then, then they, everyone comes back and, and life just goes on. He goes, I thought that was so ridiculous until we went through two years of COVID. I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what we would do. Yep. Or four years of Trump, of, of, of this man just making a mockery of leadership and like, uh, encouraging fucking being racist and being pieces of shit and being rapists. <laughs> like, what the fuck kind of life changer? It's like, it's yeah. almost good we had a quarantine after that. It's yeah. like, everybody <laughs> take a deep breath for two years. Yeah. Let's right. really think about some stuff and like, yeah. let's get strategic. Sorry, yeah. but 2019 is going to last for a while. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, well, this is going to be a long one, guys. Yeah, so that, it's a that, long that idea of how quickly can you adjust to things. And, it, and again, it also makes you think back on history. Why didn't Jewish people immediately leave Germany? Well, why didn't we 
Why didn't I immediately leave America? It doesn't seem to be getting any better, but I'm hanging on. So, you know, there's that very chilling phrase. I forgot who said it, but it was like um, the optimists went to the gas chambers and the pessimists went to America. Yikes. Yeah. So it's like, (laughs) how optimistic should I stay? Right. You know, it's a little, and I have friends that, that are very openly just like they're putting it on their Instagram. Here I am. I'm up in Vancouver looking at property, yeah. going to uh, yeah. work yeah. from up here. There's, there's acting work up here. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Well, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, well, <laughs> great to be on your last episode. Good luck fleeing. I will wait for you for a moment. Oh, there's, by the way, there's a, this is going to, Oh, so sorry. So sorry. sorry. Oh. We just watch Karen get mauled and we don't, they're like, well, add another thing to the list. We just adjust. Come on, we got it. <laughs> the Mail rabbit dog. Mailchimp 20- is a wonderful service that we use. <laughs> and let's not forget about Blue Apron. Blue Apron. Oh, what kind of doggy do you have? Blossom, she's just a, a little terrier you know, mutt that I just got. I thought she was old because my other dog, Frank, Mm -hmm. is 15 and he had to go to the vet today. So she's by herself for the first time. So I had her locked out for like the first 45 minutes. And then I heard a a single solitary cry. So I was like, (laughs) fine, you can come in. And of course, so she does this thing where she gets up on the desk and then there's nobody in this neighborhood really, but every once in a while, somebody will walk their dog by and she goes fucking berserk because she's like up on the desk, like, this is my spot. I'm watching <laughs> oh, out for everybody. So, so she was sweet. being cool for a while, but then then no. a dog walks by. No. And then she's like, she's that's like, bye. That's so adorable. Um, Sorry about that. No, that's cool. That's, 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 that's awesome. Um, there's a science fiction novel called The Man in the High Castle and there, it's where the Nazis have won World War II and, and they have... yeah. So Germany and Japan have annexed America and split it up into two territories and everyone has adjusted and they're just li- trying to live as best they can. They, the, one of the big industries in America is selling old memorabilia, old like Western memorabilia and Mickey Mouse stuff to German tourists uh, because we've become this charming little tourist spot. So we sell off pieces of our history. But there's this great throwaway line about how, did you hear Bob Hope's broadcast last night? And they're like, oh, I don't... I can't get the frequency sometimes. Is he still in Vancouver? Is he still, he's still on the run, right? Oh, like, yeah, he really? was, he was doing it out of Ottawa. They, cause they're like, they killed all the Jewish comedians. They killed all the Jews and Bob Hope fled the country and has become this Lenny Bruce type doing dangerous comedy, making fun of the Fuhrer and, wow. and, and, and Hirohito. And he's like, that's the world he is. We're like, try to pick up Bob Hope's pirate broadcast tonight. Well, rather than being the reality of him being the USO founder. Just the, yeah. yeah, see yeah. you yeah. show next week, guys. Yeah. Hey, you know, he basically becomes it. like this, this outlaw vigilante type. It's really cool. I got to read you know? that or watch the show or do something other than enjoy the soundtrack, <laughs> which is a great soundtrack. If you want to hear Beck do some uh, some standard classics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I... I've, I'm excited. I'm going to get, I hopefully I can redeem my $100 coupon that I still have for Meltdown. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, uh, but Chris. I know oh, I never redeemed it. No. I know. I know I never got it. But I want to get your comic book and everyone should watch Patton's new special. We all scream, right? We all scream. Right on Netflix right now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I'm halfway through. I'm good. We're going to hang up and I'm going to get more of you. Well, I actually have to go because, and this is actually happening. I just got a text. I have to go down to the lobby and get COVID tested because I am shooting tomorrow. So that oh. is where I'm going when we get off this podcast. I'm going to get a swab up my nose. Woo! Well, well good enjoy. Luck. I can tell just by talking to you that you're a hundred percent. No, yeah, so I've much, become guys. a doctor. Like a lot of people, I've become a doctor in the past couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. Well, thank you for making time while you're on the road. That was very nice yeah. of you because that's a real pain in the ass. I'm a big so, fan of the you. show, so I'm glad I finally got to do it. So thanks, guys. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Is this your first time? It's my first yeah. time. Totally. <laughs> and I know that you took a hiatus for that's a while. Crazy. You weren't doing it yeah. for a while, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know why? Yeah. Because during COVID, no one needed a ride. No. No. They did not need a ride. And so no, we hope didn't. today you've enjoyed this ride. To your to your hotel where <laughs> you're clearly hiding in to Vancouver. Your COVID yeah. test, yeah, exactly. Yes, I'm taking a ride down to my COVID test. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> great to see you. Yeah, you're great best. to see you too. See you guys. Uh, you've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? D Y N A R. This has been an exactly right production, produced by Annalise Nelson, mixed by John Bradley. Our talent booker is Patrick Kotner. Theme song by Karen Kilgarrett. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dinar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Hong Kong. <laughs> Follow Do You Need a Ride on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit the exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Do You Need a Ride merch.